Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. Just before we kick off, a few things to tell you about. The new season of Shrapnel is out now. If you are a Patreon member, if you're a member of patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack, it's in your feed since 6am this morning. If you're not a member, please join us, because that's the place you'll find all of our podcasts, our entire back catalogue of about 1,350 podcasts in one place and entirely plea-free. It's the price of a fancy cup of coffee and a scone to you once a month. It keeps the mics on and the conversations, like the really important one you're about to listen to, happen. Also, if you listen to this before Thursday the 20th of July, get down to the Sugar Club in Dublin City Centre, where we have a great night's entertainment lined up. The tickets are available at eventbrite.ie, and the link for that is in the podcast right at the bottom. So if you're around that evening, come along. We'd love to hear from you. We will be opening up the floor to a QA. and I'm really looking forward to it and hope to see lots of you there. Thanks for listening, thanks for the support, thanks for liking, sharing, telling people. Word of mouth is the best way to get people to listen to this podcast, and there are thousands of you listening. Would love you to join us, but I'm shutting up now and let you get to the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Darren Duffy. Um, and Darren has been in touch with me um, over, God, it could be the best part of over a year maybe now at this point. Um, we've been in touch over and back, over and, back and Darren is currently uh, working um, in Aldi and um, is also uh, homeless. And he wants to tell his story. And I think it's, we've been um, highlighting and have had a number of people as listeners will be uh, very familiar with, have had a number of people who are in homelessness or at risk of it, telling their stories on this podcast. And it it has been something that I believe in very strongly that uh, people who are being affected by this crisis and by inequalities are able to tell their story themselves. Um, and to have that voice and experience out there and we need to hear it. So, Darren, thank you so much for coming on today um, and I'm looking forward to hearing um, your story in the sense of, as I say, looking forward to it. But uh, I know it's going to be tough, but listen, uh, thanks a million for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to finally speak and, and, and to be aired because that's that's one of the big issues of this of the situation is not not being aired. Yeah, yeah, and it, uh, it was topical this week because, of course, we had uh, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar claiming that, uh, um, and he, he subsequently slightly rolled back on it. But essentially, when the homelessness figures, when he was criticised over them, he uh, started to, as he has done in a number of occasions, pointed out that well, not everybody uh, being made homeless is um, either. He makes these comments that. Uh, they aren't necessarily coming from being evicted, that they're coming from family breakdown um, or they are, um, you know, complicated situations that it, that they're and he made the claim that, you know, money had been offered social housing um, and therefore, you know, claiming the, the, the point he is making behind that is, well, they're not really homeless and. If they are homeless, it's not because we're not trying. It's because there's an issue with them. Uh, how did you feel? You contacted me directly and said, <laughs> you tell you said what you said to me. Tell listeners. Oh, angry is not. It's not a word that I can begin to describe. It's so far out of touch. Um, it's so far from reality. And the fact that 
he believes that there's offers being made, regardless of them being made to homeless people, that just there's no offers being made for social housing for, for anybody. And I have never, I've, it's it's almost 18 months now since I entered the emergency accommodation. And I've never once been spoken to about the council. I've never once been advised on social housing. All the, the help that I've really been given and the advice I've been given is for half. It's everything is based on a hat. You know, when I speak about council, it's it's not spoken about. Um it it's it's half orientating. And that's only and that's only when I'm speaking to the council. Ah, you know, so their their excuse is half is social housing. But the issue that I'm having with half at the moment is, you know, once you're a half tenant, apparently you're supposed to be a council tenant because that's in place on social housing but if anything goes wrong with the hub tenancy the council's tenant let's say rules and regulations don't apply so it's very it's double standards yeah it's, it doesn't does it doesn't gel together and it's confusing for the person who's trying to find a way out it's you know you're being guided down one road and then there's just a dead end and then you know it's 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 very confusing yeah, but, uh, just for listeners to explain that, you know, I'd say most listeners will be aware of what HAP is, but HAP is the housing assistance payment that um, those who are um, entitled to and are in need of social housing support uh, would get towards, it covers some of the rent um, to the landlord, to a private rental landlord. So it's essentially social housing in the private rental sector. Um, but the problem, of course, is that you, if the landlord sells up or wants to increase the rent, you're in this situation of insecurity. So it's not real council housing or housing by a, a housing association provider where it's, you know, a home for life and you're not threatened by eviction that the, you know, the, the property owner isn't going to sell it because they're a social landlord. So, but, but in policy, you are officially in social housing when mm-hmm. you're in of HAP. Exactly, exactly. So just since I'll explain when I was in hot tenancy. I just sorry, just before for to to, to put it on record for uh, Leo, uh, Leo Varadkar. So you're you're homeless, you, you said sixteen months now? Eighteen now. Eighty eight eighteen months. And how many offers of um social housing have you had? Absolutely none. To far none. None. I won't uh, it's hard to get even a reply an email back from the council never mind an offer and, and in terms of people who are with you in there uh, and people you would know who are, are homeless as well is, have many of them got offers of no. social housing no and it's it's upsetting to see that a lot of them are scared a lot of them won't speak up out of fear a lot of them are afraid to you know if something go wrong or they're afraid that they lose their placement within the emergency accommodation so I, I I count myself as one of the lucky ones that I'm not afraid to speak up but it's unfortunate that not everybody has that has that ability. Uh, why are people afraid to speak up? And I mean, in ter- terms of you know, they're in homelessness. They're it's a difficult situation. Um, why? Why is that fear there? It's the rules and regulations within the homeless services are very, very hard to to keep up. And because, as far as I know, that when I look back at the policies that were made for the emergency or emergency accommodation for homelessness, they were made in the fifties. You know, so. That then in nineteen eighty eight, I think during the heroin epidemic, so they haven't been ever changed since then. And 
I believe that homelessness has changed an awful lot since 1950. You know, people are homeless due to skyrocketing rents. It's not so any fault of their own, but the approach in the emergency accommodation is it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's. And like, and, you know, those, in, in, you know, people who are um, in emergency accommodation have described it to me before. And the research we did in particular with the homeless families, um, with families who were homeless, uh, in, it was 2017 um, with my colleague in Manute, Mary Murphy. I remember them describing it as I was always struck by it. They described it as being like prison in terms of rules and regulations. Do you feel that? What's your experience in emergency accommodation? I can, I can, the best thing I can do is start off by giving you what's like on a daily basis, some things that happen on a daily basis, however we go up to however it's about. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm woken up by somebody in the room, you know, it's at 9am every morning when I'm not on work, when I'm in an area shift, it's great because I'm gone before that happens. But if I was on a day off and I was having a little lie on, which definitely doesn't happen in emergency accommodation, but at nine o'clock I have two officials in the room. And making sure that everything is okay, and which is which is fine, which I understand. There's people that need that. But there's a stranger time, coming into your. There's a stranger coming into your room, and are you sharing with someone else? As no. Well, well I, I, as I said, I'm one of the lucky ones. Bad, you know. I've, you I, have owned or, or what we call and were. Yeah, your own room. Because I don't really. I think it's I'm not afraid to talk. You know, okay. it's the ones that don't speak up. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's it's okay. it's the loudest who speaks. So they, they said, this is a gobby fellow. We'll stick him in his own. Yeah. These guys for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you to, if you want to say that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, fortunately, the way the, the way it seems to get things is 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 to make noise. Yeah. So, uh, but um, on a daily basis, as you said, uh, yeah, a stranger comes into the room and I have... There's no facilities for coping. Well, there is facilities for coping, but I don't use them. The reason being, there's 20 people, 22 people in the house at the moment. Yeah. There's two halves and two fridges. Two fridges, two hobs for 32 people. 32 people. And now I can imagine 32 people with three meals a day. That's 90 meals a day has to be made in them too little. It just, it just doesn't happen. It's it's impossible. The, the, the fridges are... Such a health hazard because they're just they're packed with raw meats and they're not stored properly. And there's no, there's really no, um, there's there's no regulation of it, and it's hard to regulate it, especially with one fridge. Um, it's I don't cook, so I'm spending. I think last month on average I spent five hundred euro, six hundred euro on food. Now that's an awful lot of money to spend on food because I don't have the facilities to cook them. Yeah. And, I'm buying it. It's it's crazy, you know. I do need to eat, you know. I do work hard, and you know, I need to do. Yeah, but uh, it's I don't have them facilities, you know. I've lost well, I think since in a year and a half, I think it's now three four stone. She, you know, it was quite a, a strong, that was a strong man, you know. And, yeah, and it's I've just I've I've really lost a lot of weight because of the lifestyle, and it's not a lifestyle I choose. You know, and I've never chosen this and I, I don't think I've done anything wrong on anybody or, you know, to feel this punishment because that's a, that's, that's the only word I can use that I'm enduring at the moment. I'm being punished and I'm just struggling to find why. <laughs> I really feel like I've been punished. I'm really having difficulty to feel what did I do in my life to, the, to the, deserve this. You know, I've 
done everything that was expected of me as a, as a citizen. I went to work. I've, I'm I'm a decent person. Like I'm law-abiding citizen. I always have been, and you know I'm very proud of of, of who I am. And you know I'm from Ballymun, and I'm very proud of you know I'm from Ballymun, and I, I I represent. You know there is hard-working people here. You know, and I I think it's my job to represent them as well. You know, it's yeah. it's it's, and I find living like this the punishment. You question yourself over time. You know, you start to lose that confidence, that pride. You know, you start to become a different person. And I've noticed myself becoming a different person. Quite angry, which people who know me growing up and know me know that I'm not an angry person. You know, I'm I'm quite angry. I'm quite isolated as well because so kind of like depersonalization. This isn't this isn't what I worked on my life before. I'm forty six now. And I've worked hard, you know, hard, so I shouldn't be where I am and you know, I, I I'm I'm struggling to see what did I do wrong, you know. And I'm starting that approach of you're in the emergency accommodation to because of something that you've done or a bad life decision that you've made. Starting to believe it, the guest you know, at certain times, you know, starting to believe that maybe somewhere along the line I'm not like everybody else, and that I I'm different than maybe I do deserve this, and it really affects me. That's just awful. It's really it's heartbreaking to hear. Because you are like everyone else and you, mm. do you know what I mean? You're as worthy and, and as everyone is, you know, of basic mm. dignity of a home, you know, and, and that it's a human right as well. And, and it is disgraceful that, that you are being made feel that. And of course, it was straight away comes to my mind as well. That's the purpose of what of mm. a lot of policy. You know, it is about actually making people and, and Leo Vradker's statements is exactly it. People, you know, he can... And said, oh, well, I didn't say everybody was, you know, I wanted to do. We wanted to deflect the blame away mm-hmm. from, you know, their policies which cause it. And out of interest in terms of whether you want to talk about it or not, what what brought you, you know, what were the kind of things that happened in terms of Okay, it's, again, it's, it's a, I put it down to policy because I was rent room, was like everybody else, you know, rents, my rent was just going up and up and up and up and up and up. And I couldn't, as a single man, I had no option. I had to think of emergency accommodation or under a bridge, you know, and this has gone to work and this is paying me rent. This is, I just couldn't, simply couldn't afford to live alone anymore. And, and where I was living at that moment in time, there was, it, it was an issue with a neighbor and it was going on for about five years and he was, he used to, how did I say, I don't like to use the word abuse too freely, mm. but after five years it was, you know, right. you know, yeah. I can put up with somebody calling me words like faggot or just like, or I, I'm fine. I've, you know, I've been through the eighties and the nineties with that. Listen, I've thick skin, that, that can't really bother me. But when it went on for five years, he was just tormenting me. He told me that he wanted to cut me up and put me into a box and throw me over a bridge. And the, the spirit, he really, he really hated me by all it was, but it did affect me because I was struggling. I knew I had to give the apartment up. I knew I couldn't afford the rent. I was working poor. two jobs. I was like 60 hours, you know, I was trying to keep the apartment, which was 70 and 150. I couldn't do it. I got tap on it towards the end. And I had to leave the environment. Your man next door, basically. That was the that was the the straw that broke the camel's back. 
Um, and I was reapproved HAP by the council because of the it was a, it was on deemed unsafe. Um, and since I was reapproved HAP, and this is why I have a problem with the HAP tenancy. When I moved from that tenancy because it was deemed unsafe, I haven't heard from the HAP from the council in a year and a half. And and so you are entitled to the housing assistance payment. Um, you couldn't afford the rent, so you became homeless, not because of some... Yeah. And that analysis of... I was just saying that, um, you know, the reasons you became homeless were the rents had gone on too high, mm. that you couldn't afford the rent, and that is because rents have increased so much. Mm. Uh and then you were entitled to social housing support, but then not able to find somewhere that would um, that support would cover because again the rents are too high, um, and so it's the failure of government to control rents and the failure to build proper social housing is the reason you're homeless, not mm-hmm. because you're refusing social housing or something you have done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's. You know, it's, it's so it's so important in terms of here. Go on, I, yeah. Sorry, I find that everywhere I look, I do, and and when you're in a situation as well where you're you are questioning and feeling like a lower class citizen, you know. So when you're going to viewings and you're seeing, you know, with this hap stigma as well on top of you, you know, yeah. people, are, people are just. I've seen going to viewings myself included, just lifeless. Just saying to yourself, why we why am I doing this? I've been to with no exaggeration, I must have been to a hundred viewings, over a hundred viewings in, in, in the last year. Yeah. I, I have like I go to any viewing. I walk in Cabra and I've went to viewings in Renala, I went to viewings in Palmerstown. I, I don't drive. I'm willing to get three buses to walk. I'm willing to I'll do anything. I don't. I don't care where it is. I, so the fact that Leo Varadkar says that people are refusing, that I don't think anybody in this situation, and I've spoken to the people in my situation, there's no way we would refuse. There's no way. Yeah, absolutely no way. Yeah. So it's it's hard to try and keep up at work, go to the viewings, and where I live right now, it's a housing program. You know, it's a it, it's it's an emergency accommodation, but they have um support on site with housing yeah but again the support on site is only we have again they can't deal with anything with the council they're not allowed to deal with anything with the council i've been told on on occasion that it has to be just half um which is fine again you know i'm not but but there's nothing out there in terms of rental properties which are within and like what's what's the limit in terms of half for you in terms of the rent well in the homeless services, your half would be award, you're awarded one thousand two hundred and fifteen per person per single person, which is you know that's great. You know, yeah, I'm, I I I can manage with that. I think that's great. I really do. The issue is where do you go with that one thousand one hundred and fifteen or two hundred and fifteen? There is no there's no properties whatsoever. And the place I'm in now normally is a three month placement, and there was a meeting there not long ago by the management. It was a horrendous meeting. I have to say, they put the, the fear of life into these people. And myself, you know, we were just 
Well, was it, what do you mean? Like it was a meeting with everybody? She called, meet, she called a residence meeting and she was telling people that were outstaying our welcome, basically, and because it's only a three-month basement. And that very soon that she's going to be picking people off and throwing them out. They were exactly the words that she said. And I spoke to her after that. I said I didn't, I didn't appreciate the fact that all the pressure of the housing prices is falling on the resident. You know, you're, she's talking about she's under pressure with Dublin City Council trying to get her to, to, to move people out of the, of the, but we do realize that there is a crisis. So we have us on the other end of it, we're working, we're trying to, we're trying to secure a base. We don't want to be in that place just as much as they don't want us there. You know, yeah. I'm painted with this, oh, you're living a great life for 50 euro a week. You know, it's, it's, it's insult, you know, it really is. Yeah. So that meeting left a lot of people scared, a lot of people with that axe hanging over their head, you know, that's what it's like living in these services. So at any given moment, I can go back to the, to the service today and I could be told I'm, I'm being moved tomorrow and there's nothing I can do. And the only way I can be moved from where I am now, the only places that will be available will be places that have high drug use, active drug use, violence. You know, I've, I've, I've endured that for the first nine months. I was in emergency accommodation where I was exposed for the first time to crack cocaine, heroin, street tablets. I was I was harassed occasionally on for teen urine because they knew I wasn't a drug user. So they, they were offering me all sorts and trying to make deals for me urine. It was just, I, I've never, you know, I, as I said, I'm from Ballymun and, you know, I'm, I've, you know, I'm, I'm quite open about seeing things and I'm not scared, but I've kept myself away from these things. Yeah. I didn't think it was, I felt quite violated that after all the hard work that I've done in my life to stay away from, from certain, certain things, I was just, I had no, I had no decision in being thrown in to that mix, which was terrifying. It was terrifying. I'm not a tough man. <laughs> and you're no, Jesus, you clearly, you clearly are. <laughs> to be, I don't, I don't feel it. We're here today and and talking, you know, as eloquently and 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 you know, just with the energy still in you, is is oh, that yeah. requires a strength. I can't give up, and I refuse to give up. It's the only thing that's keeping me going. If I give up, what what I I can't. I have to keep up. I have to keep going, and I'll do what it takes. Not only for me, but for a lot of people who can't speak up for themselves. I think I've, I've found that kind of purpose that fulfills me. Yeah. You know, I've tried to change things. I've spoken to management about, you know, about changing policy. And she said, there's nothing I can do. And I said, I'm sorry, but there's everything you can do. You're the person that can change policy. You're the person that's in a position to take my feedback and bring it to the people and your superiors and talk about it. But it brings me back to the, to my conclusion. That's all a part of the homeless industry. You know, just, they don't want to end homeless. There's no plan for these NGOs to end homelessness. There's, I've never heard anybody speak about less working to end homelessness. It just seems like, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's completely understandable, you know, in ter- taking that view and that position. And I've heard that critique before and it's, it's, a difficult one because on the one hand it's like there's a they are there saying and they are 
providing this emergency response and they're managing this crisis on behalf of the state. That's what yeah. they're doing. Um, and in in ways then it, it you do become just like your your service is providing emergency accommodation your service isn't ending homelessness mm-hmm. and and that is a real issue that you start and and some ngos and some of the homeless ngos are very very strong on you know publicly being critical and arguing you know like focus ireland for example campaign saying we do need to end homelessness mm-hmm. and this has to be ended and they're trying to do the two things of yeah you know, advocating for ending homelessness while also providing services. But then there's other NGOs which wouldn't be as as clear in their advocacy to end homelessness. And I wouldn't think it's that they want to manage it. I think it's that they see that, oh, well, we have to accept the system that we're in, you know, and, and therefore it becomes managing people and, and the funding becomes dependent on Dublin City Council. And as you say, Dublin City Council says, well, you know, you can't be allowing people to stay there, whatever, three months, six months, you mm-hmm. need to move them on. And then the people go, that's the, you know, the, the, I had, it, it, I've heard of that, you know, the, the people being evicted from homelessness, like from, <laughs> from emergency comedy. How, how can you get your head around? How can you be, you're already homeless. You can't be evicted from being homeless, but actually you can't. Well, I have an email. Of, I'm glad you brought that word evicted up because when I, I, I started to document things within the homeless services, I learned that sending emails was the way. Yeah. Trails, because I was speaking an awful lot, but it was just falling on deaf ears. So yeah, I found, okay, I need to leave the trail of what I'm saying. And then things started to change a little bit. But when I brought, I, I had a discussion, I got paid monthly and I just thought it would have been easier on me that if I could just pay four weeks in advance so I don't have to be going because you have to pay in the service you have to pay in person in cash and you're not allowed to use coins you know so the not allowed to use coins was just it's it's just an extra rule just to keep the souls so <laughs> I just wanted to pay four weeks in advance it just it made me think I, I like to it, go, it shows my capability to pay bills yeah you know, it's, it's, I yeah, like absolutely. my bill paid in the month. So, yeah, now everything's done in the month and then I can continue. And if I don't get to the end of the month, it's me who's jeopardy, not me bills or anything like that. So, yeah, that shows capability. But they refused that they said, no, you have to do it weekly. So, I got angry because I wasn't allowed to manage my money my way. Yeah. You know, because I have an issue with, with managing my money. And so I wrote the email and I told her that, no, if I don't pay, if I don't pay now in the next three weeks, it looks like that I didn't pay my rent and I just want to pay four weeks. I could be evicted. Now, the first thing she said in that meeting, she emphasized the word evicted. She said, you can't be evicted from here. This isn't your home. Okay. So, so the letter about me, how upset I was that I've lost the autonomy of trying to manage my own finances. That wasn't the issue. The issue was she emphasized in the fact that I said evicted and I can't be because this wasn't my hand. So first of all, that's the approach. It's take it down off your pedestal. You don't know what you're talking about. Remember you're just who you are. And you know, it's 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 horrible. It really, really is. And they're very good at it. They're that's very good incredible. at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really demeaning and mm. that's what it's about. It, it, managing you. It it is. It is. And it's when I say 
why are we all treated this way? And they say, well, we we have to treat everybody the same. I said, okay, you know, I, I, I've, st- I've studied healthcare and I've studied the person-centered approach. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. And I understand that the homeless services have to abide by the, the national quality standard framework. You know, it's it's... And to deliver person-centered care, one of the major things it says is, is that the service shouldn't provide or do anything for the service user when the service user can do it for themselves. Mm. Okay, so I was stopped on the, on the corridor in, in, in the emergency services and one of them said, um, Darren, have, have you renewed your medical card? It took me, sorry, used to have you renewed your medical card and I went, what business is of yours? <laughs> They said, no, because I, I, I said, no, I'm fine with my, we really, a bat. Yeah. I was like, I need to speak with you. So I pulled them into a room. I said, first of all, you don't speak to me like that. Uh, you know, there's something so private. Yeah. Uh, about my health insurance or what, or whatever. Yeah. I says, and I don't know why you were getting involved in this. So that's when it's, the emergency services but the emergency accommodation is made for it's made for people who are not independent. It's it's made for people who need help. And I do understand that these services are vital. They're very important for people who need these services. I just think that I've seen really strong men and I don't want to send off but I'm emphasizing on men. Yeah. Yeah. I'm emphasizing on middle aged men. Yeah. You know, um going into emergency services and I'm breaking them. Yeah, I've seen it happen. You know, it's, it, it's horrible. You know, the middle-aged man. I understand that we need to prioritize. Of course, you know, there's children out there, and you know, the development will be affected. I, I do. I, I, I'm very. I understand how things go. Yeah, the midst of everything, but prioritizing is one thing, but simply neglecting is another. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's neglect. It's it's. It's sad. It, it really is. And, you know, just the, the things that I was endured as, as a grown man, only the last few weeks, twice on two occasions, I was walked into my room and I was naked. And I spoke to the manager about it. And the reply was, can you imagine how he felt? That's yeah. true. You know, it's... It's creating. It, it is. Like, can you imagine? How he, I don't... He wasn't the one found. It's horrible. It really, really is. It's, there can be anybody in your room at any time. I don't have, I don't, I can't, I can't have any privacy at all. I haven't had privacy in 18 months. It just feels like when somebody asks me in a phrase, how to describe how I feel, I just want to go home. This is too much. I just want to go home. I've started, I started work on, in, in Aldi last year. I've been promoted two weeks ago. Yeah. It was fantastic. I worked so hard for it. And apparently, in reality, six months is, is a very short time to be promoted and, you know, I'm feeling great about it. But at the same time, I, I can't feel great about it. You know, it's, it's, it's getting to the stage now where I won't be able to continue my career progression. I won't be able to continue it until I, I have a stable place. Yeah. And I'm, as I said, I'm 46. You know, I'm, I don't have a lot. I do have time. I don't want to say I'm old, but you know, it's time is ticking. You know, even if I get ten years of quality at the end of my life, I'll, I'll take that. But I'm not giving action. Given. No, 
and you shouldn't. You know, absolutely not. You deserve. You deserve a home as the most basic, most basic of needs, most basic of human rights, and um, it is utterly disgraceful that as a country, this is how we treat treat people. Um, it disgusts me and it angers me as well. And I think it's just, and I know for our listeners as well, it's really it, it's heartbreaking and it's just yeah, what. It, also lost for words in in terms of the what should be done is just that this isn't accepted and that you know everything is moved and we have real emergency responses and real emergency action and that's not emergency accommodation no. that's actually homes um and it's um you, you spoke a bit just you know in terms of the difficulty and the challenge of it you're not giving up how does it impact on your mental health? Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to be transparent about this. I've been suicidal. I've had, yeah. I've had um, admission into St. Vincent's Hospital because I couldn't take it. And that's why I want to show, I want to emphasize on the fact of how much work I've done by myself since then to where I am now, to the promotion I've done. And, you know, I, I can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. Can only do so much. You can. But you're here. You're here now. Yeah. And then you keep yeah. going. Of course, of course. No, I will. I, I will. And, and I, you know, it's, and having people who support, support me, like, I have to, my work. Yeah. If it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for my job, if it wasn't for reality, they're so, Oh, they, they've done everything they could for me. They understood my mental health. They understood the time I needed at the beginning. You know, they were not, no, they were, they were, they were the backbone. They were, they were my, my support, you know, and it's, 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 it's sad when your employer has to stand in for, for your government. <laughs> that is mad. And it's brilliant to hear that, that you had that, um, that support. And obviously, you know, it, that is what you know, and here you know, this destroys people, absolutely destroys people, and and it's wrong. And this idea that you know emergency accommodation is somehow good and sufficient as a response, it's not. And as you're shown, and as your story, it's causing more, it's causing more more issues than than I had at the beginning. It's, yeah. it's I entered homelessness with with one big problem that I didn't have a home, and now I could, that list is just as long as my arm. You know, so it's it's not just homeless now. It's it's as I said, I ha- I'm in an environment which is it's detrimental to my mental health, and I don't play on the fact of, of 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 mental health or anything like that. I take it very seriously because it's it's something that I have I have de- dealt with and, and didn't deal with. But you know, as I said, with I'm on medication now, which which I wasn't before all this. You know, so yeah. As I said, with the with the this little stay in St. Vincent's Hospital really, really showed and made me feel the value I had for what I had left. Okay. Yeah. I had very little value of what I had left and it was taken away from me. I didn't lose it. I didn't, it was taken away from me and I would personally hold, hold them accountable, hold the government accountable for what they're doing to me. I would definitely, the leaders are definitely accountable for 
how I wake up in the morning, how I go to sleep at night. It doesn't live. It never lives. It's 24 seven. It's, it's that feeling, you know, it's, I haven't, when I say, I, I just want to go home, it's, it's like, I've started work and I was going, I was saying this before and I'm not distracted. I, I apologize, but I started work, I've been promoted and I still haven't been home yet. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't been home. You know, when, when you're younger and you go on a weekend and you, you're thinking out all weekend, staying in your friend's house and you get to Monday and you're, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're just delighted to go home. And yeah. I just haven't been home yet. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of gets a bit surreal. Yeah. It kind of gets surreal because you don't have that place to take, you know, at the end of the day, take off that mask, be you, you know, just, just unwind, just, just, just be you. Like, uh, I, I have a mask on to work. I have a mask in, in the emergency services. I, I, I just always have a mask and I just, I just want to be me. I just, I just want, just want to be independent. I just, I just yeah. want to <laughs> want to go home. I, you describe it, you know, just so clearly, and as I said earlier, so eloquent, eloquently, and so um, accurately. You know, I I know you're capturing, you know, the experience of literally tens of thousands of people, um, and it's so important that you do speak and you are, and you know, that is a massive contribution it is you know and you spoke about your sense of meaning and purpose and that is purpose and that is meaning and um i see it in you you know and and hear from you and that and i want to say to you you will get there and you will get home and i believe you will i absolutely do you know and um hopefully you know this telling your story in this way will help that i think it will um as you said yourself, when speak when people speak up, that is often when mm. you know things happen, um, and hopefully this will help. We will highlight it and uh, highlight your your situation and continue to to link in. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I thank you for coming on and telling your story. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell the story. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure on on behalf of a lot of people in my situation. You know, I'd like to thank you and Tony Boyle as well. It's nice to have have somebody in a corner. It's we really appreciate it. Well, it's it's the right thing. It's the right thing, and and um, we have to change it. And we will. We'll get there. And listen, Darren. Listen. Thanks so much for joining me today on uh, Reboot Republic. Um, and I know our listeners will have found that uh, quite moving. Um, and in terms of Taking action, of course, we need to, something you can do as a listener is share the podcast around, uh, share it on social media, you know, get people to listen to Darren's story, contact your TDs, um, tell them that this is not okay, um, and that, you know, we need to end homelessness and not just manage it, and emergency accommodation is not a suitable response. Um, Thanks so much to Darren and uh, to listeners as well for supporting us. We will talk to you all very, very soon. 